Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hey, Danilo from Thinking Critically here. Thinking Critically is a chat show podcast where we take a single concept or idea and discuss what it means within the Dungeons and Dragons framework. Each episode features a different guest from the TTRPG community, and so far I've welcomed actors, designers, and professional DMs. Consider it an NPR-style variety bucket of thought-provoking analysis and humorous anecdotes, where we cover all sorts of things, including the nitty-gritty of how to balance encounters, the perception of D&D in popular culture, and the impact it has on mental health. My hope is that each episode helps you get the most out of your sessions, whatever side of the screen you sit on. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit me at thinkingcritically.co.uk. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. So I... You know, as the uh, as the chief scheduler for tabletop journeys, if I may, if I may self gloss a little bit, I really, really wish Wizards of the Coast would stop putting out really important, really cool things uh, like randomly on like a Thursday afternoon. Because man, it's just like not that I don't love uh, meeting on a Sunday evening uh, uh, with uh, with my dear friends and co hosts uh, Lee Wanika and Glenn, but you no, know, I would just really wish that like. You know, like I had our schedule all lined up, like through like the end of the year. I thought everything was great. I knew exactly where everything was going to go. And then, as soon as you started thinking those things, you were already screwed, man. I know you're you're not wrong. You're not. The world wrong. is not, not that uh, structured a place. On structured, I need structure. Are not that I, I, structured. Place. I will impose structure on the world. <laughs> generally, generally, that's my job, Josh. I'm the one who's calling for structure, usually. But I, I will say this, you spoke it into being, and the universe slapped you in the face. That's fair. That's fair. That is true. That is true. I, I did. Uh, I have. I have. I have uh, gloated on numerous occasions about how look at how clean the schedule is. It wasn't this great. But, uh, you know. Uh, yes, I, I spoke it. I spoke it, and thus uh, the multiverse made it true. But boy, uh, I've got to say, I am uh, really really stoked to be talking about this particular release today because this is something that we've been talking about for for a while now is when are some of these classic D&D and AD&D settings going to come out and today uh within just a couple of days ago actually we got 
pretty much confirmation that Spelljammer is going to be coming. And and I suspect that this is going to be in line with the announcement that uh, Wizards has also made that tomorrow they are going to announce a new book in March of 2022. I mean, I'm, I'm putting, uh, I am putting a Travelers of the Multiverse Unearthed Arcana dealing with Spelljammer races and a book announcement tomorrow uh, coming out from Wizards of the Coast. I'm putting those two and two together and coming up with the four of a Spelljammer book in March of 2022. And I don't think that that's too far a stretch uh, at this point to go ahead and assume that that's what's happening. Well, it's definitely not a stretch to decide. It's definitely not a stretch to decide that that may be what's coming. But, I mean, to say that that's, that's what we could expect, I don't know. Let's look at all the other things that Wizards of the Coast has been doing yeah, lately. that's fair. From the Fairy UA, where part of that moved into the Strixhaven book. The Strixhaven book that, if I recall, isn't even coming out with an expected date anymore. Right, so that's been pushed back for a few weeks, yeah. So right, they it, dropped. It has a date, they, they, but it's a little bit later. They just dropped another book with Minson Boo that immediately disappeared again. So I, hadn't even I don't know. They, they kind of seem to be zigging and zagging and trying to like, maybe there's something going on in the way that they're approaching stuff that they weren't quite caught up on. And I don't know. I don't know. All but right. They, so wait, they, they kind of seem all over the place at the moment. Let's dive into this for just a second. I, so I knew that the Minson Boo book had dropped on DMs Guild. Uh, I had not heard that it had been pulled. Where is it? It's not available anymore. It is not available, and there's some kind of word that it might we might get new release dates in the immediate future. Um, it disappeared within so days, yeah. Cool. It was out for like three days and then it's gone. Um, wow. there's not a lot of news as to why it's just not available, it's it, it's not there. All right, I would cool. suspect that there was some conjecture that it had to do with artwork being reversed or not being accurate. It's a PDF, so. You get it, you fix the problem, you put it back in a couple of days. Not a or you big could get deal. the physical book too. You get the physical book through DMs right. too. But so. if somebody says, Hey, print me this physical book, that book is not being physically printed when you press the button, right? right. They're waiting for a print run. So if they get things fixed a couple of days later, they get it fixed. Then they fix it with the original artwork and the book book gets fixed. That's my conjecture. Mm, I think it's gonna be back at some point. I mean, they made a big deal. Proceeds were for charity, unless there's something significant that we don't know about behind the scenes with that charity. I can't imagine that that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's coming back. Uh, yeah, but I'm so, but I don't think that's related to the strict saving issues. I said it before when we talked. Um, I truly believe the strict saving backup and the Fizzman's backup is. Supply chain oriented. I think it's been. I forgot about that one being pushed I, back too. I think. Yep. I think the ever given just is continuing to mess us up six, seven months later. Um, yep. it, I, I just, I truly believe that's the case. I yep. don't think there's anything sinister behind that plot. Um, I don't think there's any issues. Uh, and I think the safest thing was the one week to get Fizzman's in place, give it an extra week backup, week or two backup, just in case the same thing happens again. So they yep. don't have to back it up twice. Yep. No, and I definitely Fair don't enough. see anything sinister there. I'm, I, I didn't. I'm not by any means attempting to imply sinister. Just oh, I did. I did. I, I will fully bit. admit that I was. I was on the tinfoil train with that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you needed no, your totally, tinfoil yeah. hat yeah. pitchfork. Absolutely. I mean, no, I saw. I, I, 
Yeah. Honestly, I think it's a little bit, and I don't want to say incompetent because I don't think that's accurate. Clearly, they're a professional company who's been in business for quite a long time. Um, but I think that it's disorganization because of the transition they're going through with the steps they're trying to make in terms of inclusivity and uh, race versus ancestry and all of those pieces that have really been coming out since Tasha's. I think they've kind of been in a running scramble for their publication since then, and they just didn't have all their ducks in a row before they put some of these things yeah. forward. <laughs> Decided to announce six books for 2021. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into what we actually are uh, are gathered here this fine evening to go ahead and talk about. And this is the newest Unearthed Arcana article, uh, a lovely, succinct four-page PDF called Travelers of the Multiverse, which features six different races from the classic Spelljammer play setting. Um, so let's uh, let's start with sort of general thought. Glenn, it is awesome to have you back. Let's start with you tonight. Um, well, I'm super impressed by the high, high quality of, you know, the little light pixels that are shining out at me on the on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, the PDF is pretty groovy. It's it's straightforward. They've kind of condensed the beginning creating your character part, I feel, a little bit. In the last few, it doesn't seem like they're spending quite as much time on it, which is groovy. The races themselves are, are all pretty succinct and straightforward, too. Uh, overall, my thoughts are good. Now, mind you, I'm the only one of the three of us who never played Spelljammer. So with the exception of the Thrykreen, because the Thrykreen came in as a villainous race in one of the campaigns that I was in. I've never really had any exposure to any of these. Um, so they're all, it's all new subject matter for me. So it'll be interesting to hear y'all's thoughts in terms of, you know, how it compares to previous editions, etc. Um, and you know, I've always thought Spelljammer sounded pretty cool. All right. I always thought Spelljammer was kind of D and D in space. And I was like, don't it fix is. it if it ain't broke. Cause you know, I can play rifts or I can play star Trek, star Wars. There's a gazillion space role-playing games out there, which is why I never tried it, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, Spelljammer is D and D in space. There's no two ways about it. It's it is. You're absolutely right. So. And, and that just didn't that D and D me when I was younger was like, dude, I'm happy in a dungeon. Why do I'm I want to swing my axe yeah. on a spaceship? Yeah, fair enough. Lou and Nico, what'd you think? I really liked it. I enjoyed Spelljammer, but my level of Spelljammer was very limited. It was a means to different campaign world. Uh, I played in a series of games or a series of connected campaigns between several DMs where the world of Greyhawk, the world of Tyrell, the world of Aethys, uh, they were all separate planets. And if you wanted to get from one planet to the other, if you were high enough level or you had the right magics or you got banished, you would travel by portal or something like that. Uh, however, you could, if you knew what to do, signal somebody to pick you up on a Spelljammer. Yep and take you from one to the other as long as they knew the area they were going whenever i'd come into it it was hey let's travel from here to here and we'd have a spell jam series of adventures one or two stops maybe a breakdown in space maybe a pirate attack so we'd have a couple adventures in it and there i never played a spell jammers campaign but i was very familiar with the races and occasionally races would show up you would deal with different things plots from one would meld into the other so I am excited because I like that concept, and I really think that something like this could be useful for that purpose. The idea of saying, 
hey, the campaign world that we at TTJs is building could be spell jammed between that and my land of 18 C's excites me. And new races to bring to each of those, new lineages to bring to each of those further excites me. Uh, I just, I love that idea. And I think this is a great start in that process and a great vehicle for that to happen. Yeah. So in the most part, I agree with both of you. I think that I like what I see here uh, for the most part. I think that individually, some of the lineages that are in here have things I like and have things that I don't like. Um, I'm not sure that I necessarily had a favorite because I think that no, that's not true. I th- I think I think that the uh, the 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 gif and the gif are just hysterical. Uh, I love that. I love that joke. Um, that's just outrageously. It, it's it's like them putting I it was an hysterical. NPC. That was awesome. It, it's like them putting um, a a uh, that drunken clown NPC in Wild Beyond the Witchlight named Thacko. Um, I yeah. I thought that that was hysterical. Like that's just like it's just good stuff. I'm kind of bummed that when we did our AP and had the uh, first mission from that they that you guys never encountered Thacko, but that's um, uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I think that that for the most part the lineages are good. I think some of them have some things that I'm not crazy about, and we'll we'll get into those as we kind of start talking through them. But uh, I am very excited about Spelljammer. I'm very excited about new world settings that are not Forgotten Realms. Um, I'm very excited for to see where that comes, and I'm excited to see kind of where this is going. So talking a bit for a brief moment about the creating your character piece, there's a lot there. There's a lot more to come as books come out, when things come out and things become official. But uh, it is good to know that they are solidifying the plus two plus one. Uh, it, It may not be perfect, but it's a good move forward to allow players to build characters that they want to build that will be fun for the individual player to play. Effectively, as Glenn has mentioned in pre-conversation, if a, if a player came to you and said, I want to do this as a good storyteller, you know we're going to say yes as long as there's some kind of narrative behind it. So giving them the rule base to make those kinds of calls is always going to be a good thing, even if in a specific or individual game, you might tweak that a bit here or there. This is a good base rule. Well said. As far as the rest of it, I'm curious to see kind of how this is going to shake out. I think that they're still kind of in transition about a lot of these things. And so we'll see how they shake out eventually. But it is nice to kind of see that their head is moving away from constraint. So let's dive into the lineages themselves that are in here. This is the meat and potatoes of the UA here. Um, let's start first with the Astral Elf. So, Luinika, what about you? How What did you feel about the Astral Elf? So I love elves in general. I'm interested to find out whether this is going to be a full-on lineage, a sub-elf rate. Uh, it sounds like a sub-lineage, uh, yeah. It sounds like a sub-lineage. I mean, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think they've been altered enough to be a permanent separate lineage. So that's actually where I was going with that. That that is There is some conjecture out there on the interwebs from a few other folks that this is going to be a full race by itself and not hmm. a sub-race, which is interesting to me because I would think, say, for instance, the Aladrin should be a separate mm-hmm. one than the elves and it, where this to me feels like it could possibly should be more of a sub race. I don't know. That's we'll find out how, how they want to yeah, do I'm it. I'm not sure which way it's going to go either. I think it's playable either way. I think I would enjoy it either way. 
And the differences are really six of one, half dozen the other. Right. That's where my point was. Yeah. Right. You're like, going to select it, whether it's a sub race or it's not a sub race. It's not going to change much as long as these are the features you're going to get. Um, if, if they're a separate race, that will make astral elves the haughtiest elves ev ever because they're so awesome. They're not even normal elves anymore. Right. Yeah. It's like the the, the, the the gothiest of the goths. Flavor-wise, I thought the Astral Elves were uh, great. I thought fantastic. And I love their origin story. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just love the, the way that they came into being is awesome. This is where I think I'm going to start to get a little nitpicky about the mechanics. Um, so uh, I, I found myself, and I think I have found myself uh, doing this in other things before, um, is uh, categorizing certain abilities as sounds cool and actually bad, right? Uh, and and the astral elves hit one of those for me, right? So uh, I'm going to talk about their trance ability for just a second, and I'm not going to talk about the trance proficiencies because I actually thought that that was a, a really really nice thing to go ahead and add on. But the actual trance ability itself, right? So uh, trance ability, you don't need to sleep, and magic can't put you to sleep. That's fine. That's an elf thing anyway. That's fine. Um, you can finish a long rest in four hours, and if you spend those and you spend those hours in a trance like meditation during which you remain conscious, right? Yep. So. You're in a party of adventurers, and one of you is playing an astral elf, right? Or what sense does it make to go ahead and have an astral elf that only needs four hours for a long rest when, I mean, virtually anybody else in the party is going to require eight hours for a long rest. By right. rule, they can do right? that meditation for four, but they still have to spend the other four in non-exertion. Exactly, non right. so, Maybe that's a typo for the UA? No, that's I actually exactly. That is exactly how it's written for everybody else. That's not different. And in fact, it's very much the same me mechanic that's used for Warforged. Um, in fact, in Streams of Spiro, uh, we figured out since we had the Paladins, that the re the, all the humans in the party, they can just sleep. Because as Warforged, I'm conscious no matter what. With a specific magic item that wakes me up with no issues, I just, I will be on watch the entire night and all it takes is two different elves, one to do the first half, one to do the second half. It takes three people to watch for the entire party. All everybody else is down. Done. Okay. Well, I guess that that makes sense. I guess I, I don't know. I guess I guess that that's fine then. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's billed as like this super cool ability of an elf. And maybe on the uh, setting up watch schedule for the evening, maybe that's kind of where the benefits that is. Um, because when I look at that, I'm like, okay, great. They can do a long rest in four hours. And everybody else that they're adventuring with is still going to require eight. So what? So they're going to be friggin' playing tiddlywinks for four hours waiting for everybody else to wake up. It's a game changer for an all-elf party. <laughs> yeah. I mean – is it really? Is it really? Like all yeah, of party? You, okay, if great. You, so, if you play, if, yeah. if you play in a game that actually keeps track of uh, time or has time based missions, things like that, yeah, being able to get your long rest done in four hours in instead four hours, of eight, less yeah. chance of being interrupted, uh, less time to have to have you know to set up watches. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess I can see that. Okay. All right. And they have dark vision, so travel at night. If you're traveling, especially at the lower levels where overland travel potentially hex crawls becomes an issue and all of party moves infinitely faster than any party with non elves because one, the four hour bit and two, they can travel when it's dark because dark vision would allow them to stress travel at night. All that to say, 
I liked the the astral elf. I thought that radiant soul was a really really nice power. Uh, the trans proficiencies I liked as a concept and wish that it had more flavor, more oomph in the text. Like it's just like that's a really cool power, and I want a little bit more narrative flavor to it. Right? It just seems like oh yeah, you've got this thing. I think that I could build narrative flavor for it, but I'd like it in the book. I'd like it in the in the paragraph. So you know, but otherwise, I mean, you know, if I was going to give it, uh, you know, uh, uh, out of five stars, I like a solid three and a half. Like I'm I'm totally cool with the astral elves. I think that it is it is a really solid lineage. I think it's awesome. I'd give it a four probably, with the except even though I'm about to say that I think that it has too much. Oh, okay. By the time it's got astral fire, so you're getting a cantrip and dark vision, and fey ancestry for advantage on and on all charmed conditions, and you automatically get perception as a proficiency, radiant soul, so you can bounce back after a death save, and the elvish trance, and yeah. two free proficiencies of your choice that you can change daily based on the situation that you yeah, think you're going to really be powerful. dealing with. Is <laughs> just that last one by itself is super powerful. I like the Astral Elf. I think it's super cool, but it's on a different power level than your average race. Well, I would say this, and I think that this is the first one we've done, so you're going to find that trend continues with this UA. Mm -hmm. And it does with a lot of the new stuff they're coming out with. What I would suggest for the trance is have it be random. We know there's a finite number of skills. They fit on a die. Mm. Roll it. That's it. That Uh, way it's not you choose. I think that that makes more sense. I mean, I could build the ultimate skill monkey with an astral elf now, getting two more proficiencies that I can change on the daily. Oh, my God. Honestly, with an astral elf, and if you took the right things and you took either uh, with an astral elf, and if you took skill expert, uh, I believe you could uh, twice. If you took a rogue or a bard with skill expert once, definitely, possibly you might need to do twice. You can literally have every skill. Uh, I don't know if I like the random fit, but that's. <laughs> I think I. I, I kind of like where it's going, but it'll frustrate people. Yeah, it it'll would be like exactly, exactly. It's really going to frustrate people, especially if you do that to the weapon proficiencies. Also, you know, I mean, how long before? Oh like, no, no, it's not weapon. It's skills, skill proficiencies. Right? Okay, but they also get weapon proficiencies with trans proficiencies. Yeah, do they? It's two proficiencies, each, each yes. one with a weapon or a tool of your choice. It's not saying any skill you want. Oh, uh, or tool. I miss. I misread. That, that makes it a little bit better. It's still okay. a lot. I still think they're overpowered. In that case, I don't think it matters that much. I'm glad to hear that 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 was just a misreading issue, gentlemen. Because I was kind of like, why? No, tool proficiency. Like tool proficiencies are the most underused thing in all of Dungeons and Dragons, most like in D and D five. Like nobody uses. Okay, so I get a new tool proficiency. I had two like, proficiencies I, and just assumed any skill. I didn't catch the one with a weapon and one with a tool with, or a with tool one and a weapon and a tool while that's neat that's a actually not a tool. that big a factor it's not that big a deal yeah. it's a little less powerful than i was originally thinking now do i think that uh that an elf being able to choose between like polearm and and crossbow all they gotta do is be a fighter and they got them all anyway right right it's hot anyway i mean you could you yeah. could take any of the classes that has limited weapons available to it yeah play an yeah. astral elf and you don't have to take you don't have to try to figure out how to get that yep. scimitar that you really wanted you can just yeah, always yeah. use your astral yep. elf proficiency oh, I can scimitar. See, yeah i can see a bunch of like you, you can start doing some some nasty combinations with great weapon or 
or ranged uh, range weapons and stuff. In like order that. of astral elf warlocks with scimitars, like that sounds that sounds sweet. So I I could run the hell with that. Next one, uh, the auto gnome. Again, the uh, the the. Should this be a sub race of no? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, so no, it should be uh, a sub race of Warforged turd. Yeah, well, right, except naturally they're different. You know, Glenn, what do you think about the autonomes? Dude, I think that they're hysterically funny. Uh, the concept of a bunch of little datas with giant mustaches, like you'd see on a on a World of Warcraft gnome, because that's what I always picture. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, with um, like a mechanical mustache. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Um, and they're who could I could play this character and have so much fun. Who couldn't? I mean, a little silly, but sure. hey, silly is fun. I can't express how much fun I think this particular character would be. And I think the abilities are exceptionally useful in multiple classes. Whatever class you chose, this would work really well for. You could obviously, uh, Artificer looks really, looks really sweet, but so many other things it could, it could be useful for beyond that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it could be a lot of fun. And the autonome history for, you know, how you were created just to give you some ideas of why you're now this free thinking, free willed robot wandering you know, the D&D multiverse, I thought that was a lot of fun too. I mean, I could totally, come up with yeah. some other ones based on those ideas. It could be a lot of fun, but yeah, that, that kind of sold me on it. I'm going to be honest. Totally. I may regret this when we go into other ones, but this might've been my favorite. Uh, the Otter I Note. think it's my um, favorite though. I really like the Hadoozy too. You, you're no regrets. It's, this is what I was leaning towards. Yeah. I do wish that with Sentry's Rest, so again, and maybe it's because I was so embittered by the by the long rest thing for Astral Elves. When I looked at Sentry's Rest and how now they have a six-hour long rest, I was like, oh, for God's sakes, come on, just pick one. <laughs> pick four hours or pick eight hours because those numbers work well together. But six hours, now it's like, well, he has to sleep longer than the elf, but not as long as the human. It's like, oh, come on. Like that's for crying out loud. Just but you can also run watch the, the entire time because he's not unconscious. Here, here, here's my thought on that, and I get what you're saying. It, it's not easy math when you go to six versus four. However, right. it has been my experience that parties break up uh, watches into four, three, or two. This fits nicely into the into the into the uh, three or into the two category. It botches things up a bit if you're talking the the two, but it fits sweetly. It's like I can do three shifts. It, uh, if we're breaking it up into four, or I can do two shifts if we're breaking it up, breaking the night into three, and I think that that, that works for me. So the other thing I wanted to go ahead and talk about was True Life, right? Uh, and True Life for me had uh, had a a good and a bad. Um, mm-hmm. The good, the good for me was being able to heal from the mending spell. Although I don't agree that he should have to expend a hit die. Right, I think that if another character's waste is is using a spell slot, this character should not also have to go ahead and burn a hit die. But that's a minor quibble. Mending's a cantrip, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. So they don't have to burn a spell I like the hit slot. Die. I think the hit die is the limiter on it that makes it work, as opposed Let's to just take a short it. rest. No, no, I don't disagree. But now you can take a short rest and boop, cast a cantrip. Let's keep going. Okay. Right, but then that's two hit die. Right, that's what I'm saying, because they have to burn the hit die with mending to get the hit points back. That's what I don't agree with. I, I like mending being able to heal them. I don't like mending being able to heal them if they burn a hit die. 
one character expends one resource, not two characters expending one each to get the thing done, as I think what Josh is going in. That's where I'm going. I that. would, and I get that, but it's a cantrip, so it's not a resource. You can cast mending all day long. Like I could stand there and just cast mending on the guy for free until he goes from zero to one hundred and fifty. Time limit on it. Oh yeah, that's fair. Okay, no, that that's fair. So the hit die is the limiter on it. Okay, correct. If mending was a first level spell, I'd agree with you one hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Okay. Nope. That makes sense. Then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note about that and think about that because I'll have to go ahead and say that. So that was fine. I liked the mending bit. I think I'm gonna be in the minority here, but I did not like that cure wounds healing word spare the dying i'm fine with but cure wounds and healing word i did not like that this construct different than other constructs could get healed by normal means and it's all because of the way that the back that the the autonome was spoken about about how they are in fact built it's not like they are different from other constructs they are in fact built by their creators i didn't like that i think spare the dying from a um from a gameplay point of view makes sense I did not care for cure wounds and, and healing word being able to heal them. But I, you know, like I said, I suspect that I, I might be in the minority there. I hear what you're saying, but I get why they did it. Because it would really suck to be the character that the cleric can't heal. The only guy in the party that, you know, unless the mage is going to throw mend on you and you throw out a hit die, you're screwed except for when you rest. You go down in combat, nothing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So in terms of keeping the game open and inclusive to everybody, like they're trying to do with so many other things, in, in the way that all the parties put together, you can be what you want without being penalized. I think it's kind of essential. That's effectively where I landed on it. It's like I got it even though I wasn't in love with it. Um, you know, it's like I think it comes down to how do we do this? Because men, two things. One, there's only men. There's no higher level of that. So I thought that there, one, they should hopefully do something like have higher level spells of that nature so that maybe there is a higher level mend that fixes bigger, better things than mend would fix and would also supply the same amount of hit points as cure wounds, right? Put in the spell at the same level as cure wounds, put in the next spell at the same level as the next one and have it do those things. And I think that would work. I think, and I hope that as things get revisited, they then turn around and do something like tell the Warforge by the way, you're now a construct, not a humanoid, and this same thing works yeah. for you. Yep. Yeah, I suspect you're seeing the way that that's going to change. Yeah. Right. Then I think the other option is have a domain that deals with mechanical things, perhaps. I mean, Clockwork Soul does. Like I said, that's... Right, but have a clerical domain that does that. Yeah, I guess there isn't one that deals with mechanics, is there? And then... It, and there are plenty of deities in mythological history, real world mythology that deal with the creation aspect. So you mm -hmm. can have a uh, Hephaestus. You can have in the in the D and D realm. You can have Moradin. You can have all these different things. So why wouldn't you already have Forge clerics? Or maybe you have the spells become added to the Forge cleric list, and that way a Forge cleric's heals would work or something like that. And then I think you would be able to do maybe a little less on the, all these things heal. Yeah. Or maybe they do heal, but they require a hit die expenditure as well. So the, 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 the stuff that would heal a humanoid will heal a mechanical being, uh, a construct, but 
they have to expend a hit die to get use of that, whereas the mend and those types of spells do not. I think that's a good bridge. So that way, everybody can heal him, everybody can help, but he's got to have a little on his own to get it the rest of the yeah. way. All that to say, I can't wait to play C3, C3PO as an autonome. I think that'd be hysterical. So, wouldn't that be R2? And then the war, oh, either one, or- either one, play, play two, like either one. Yeah. So yeah, like the autonome also has a lot of stuff going on for it. A little bit on the high powered in terms of races, race goes, but which is a fantastic, uh, fantastic lead into our next one. In fact, actually, because uh, this was part of my notes about the next one is that there's nothing. Um, they got the short end of the stick. They yeah. really got the short end of the stick. So, so uh, <laughs> being three of us, uh, where do we, where do we come, where do we come down here? Is it, is it GIF or is it GIF? It's a GIF, being... and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Go ahead, Jalen. I'm going to be honest. The GIF are a proud people. They're not going to be the common GIF. That's an insult. I am a GIF because that is what we are. <laughs> what what this lineage is is flat out hysterical. It's amazing. Awesome. I loved it. I loved it. Well, I mean, okay, except that it doesn't do anything. Right, it doesn't do anything. What are you what it's, about? So, it's still awesome. <laughs> I mean, okay, so uh, no, 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 it's got cool. it's got a it's got a reroll on every turn. Reroll on, a one on a damage die on damage. Every turn, not nothing, not nothing. That's hot. what else can it do? Yeah, that's what else feat. can it do? I know that's or, it. That's all it's got. That's, okay, that's so, so that's if you're going to give me a feat it versus six abilities, has, I'm going to pick the six abilities. Hang on a second. It's two feats, and one of them is pretty impressive, right? Because they also have what is rewritten, but effectively the powerful build feat in their advantage on strength-based ability checks and saving throws. That's stupid useful. You can't yeah, like, push. but that's the same thing as the other big people. Guys, they just call it hippo builds. Do your push. Yeah. You put, this, you put a shield on one of these guys and let him... Do uh, uh let give him sentinel and and shield master. He's knocking fools down all day. Make that gif a uh, battle master, and all the stuff he does that's strength based. How about this? Uh, uh how about a gif monk that's wrapping people up and grappling them? You're on advantage oh. on those strength. Mm, nah, that's a plasmoid. You're probably dropping two plus two there. You are messing people up in all kinds of ways. By the way. Who the frick wrestles a hippo? I don't know. That's a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. You wrestle the jiff, you get the... Well, they don't have horns. They don't and, have horns. And, and, and then throw something like Cavern Brawler on this bad boy? Oh my goodness. Could you picture that, that Tavern Brawl when that ship pulls into port and he's like the Marine Sergeant for, for his... For, for his <laughs> for, for his for his uh, spell jammer, oh my goodness, that is classic. And it definitely is quality over quantity. I mean, both of those are solid abilities. Um, and you're not wrong, Lewanika. The damage dealer. I mean, that is like probably one of the most powerful straight up racial traits I've seen. To give them a reroll one on a damage die every turn with no limit. He's basically crusher piercer. But it still feels a little bit lackluster when you're looking at what everybody else has got. I mean, though they do get a swim speed equal to their walking speed, and that's <laughs> kind of cool. Great weapon master and this, that's not bad. Yeah, even Sentinel. I mean, anything, any any fight. This is any fighter would be, would benefit from this build. You're absolutely right. Fighter, even paladins would be great with it. Like, yeah, not now. 
Yeah. Okay. I, you but, know what? But it definitely I, did I'm, seem like a short list. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally cool with with your with your assessment, Luanika. I I think that uh, it 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 is a. I think you're right, Glenn. It is a quantity, a, a quality over quantity type thing uh, with the gifts. The gifts so. are powerful. <laughs> the <something> compact. <laughs> Did you know you could have been listening to this episode two days ago? That's right, because early access to our episodes is only one of the benefits that we offer to our Patreon subscribers. You can get early access to every show, exclusive content, and the opportunity to throw dice with your favorite hosts every month. Right now, we're running a membership drive through the end of November for our first anniversary. If we reach 20 subscribers by that date, we will start a regular live show. And when we get to 25 subscribers, we're going to open our tables for a second Patreon-exclusive game. So if the actual play episodes aren't your thing, you can still join your hosts on the download. For more details, go check www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. And thank you for enjoying the show. Let's, uh, let's talk now about the Hado-Z. Uh, I and like these I guys, am- too. I like these guys too. I'm trying to decide whether or not these would be best as a monk or as an artificer. And I really can't decide which build is my favorite. Uh, Glenn, what about you? What are your thoughts on this one? So the ability to pick up, use an object as a bonus action because of dexterous feet. Definitely. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. It's groovy. Um, I mean, just being able to use an, ob- an object as a bonus action is powerful. That's super well, and that gives you two object uses too, because that's not saying instead of you get both. You could use two objects in a round. I want him in the crow's nest, and I want his feet reloading crossbows, so he's continually handing himself crossbows that are loaded. It's easy to it's easy to explain his crossbow master. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was thinking artificer is because he could interact with all of those magical items that he creates as a bonus action. Now, okay, absolutely, but please and thank you, you know. He doesn't even need crossbow master because his feet do that naturally. Yeah. So that's but, a feat he does not have to take. He just goes with sharpshooter. He's built in with the with the with the with that best part of crossbow. Master. Yeah. G- give him give him an artificer with one of the eldritch uh, eldritch cannons. Uh. So yeah, dexterous feet, amazing glide. I just didn't think was the the first part of glide where you can descend five feet for every foot you uh, you can move five feet horizontally for every foot you descend. Limited use. It's fine, but it's just limited use. It is limited use, but it's super cool flavor if you let them bank it's too. It's not when you consider in the interaction of his other abilities. So well, yeah, but no, no. no my he, point is, how often are you above the ground? That's more my point. You're a race that can't very fly often, very often because he's got a climb speed. So yeah, he's lives on, he lives on. He lives on a cliff. <laughs> oh, hear me, hear me out yep. on this. No, he you're missed, I missed the climb speed. You? He can yeah. dash. He can get sixty feet in the air then glide that's every foot down he can go five foot wide yeah that's a lot oh man yep my hadozi monk now is just uh even looking better. that much better looking that much better you can you know because yeah. you, yeah. with, with you double don't dash, yeah have to glide the whole time you can close your wings and fall and as a reaction use them at the last minute to reduce the falls damage to zero yeah. So now you could glide out over somebody, fold your wings in, and drop down on them. Not even your wings. I mean, the um, uh, what are they? They membranes. are uh, the, membranes. uh, the membranes. Your flying squirrel. The... Exactly. Yeah. Skin. Oh, we yeah, should make a flying squirrel and a head dozy and call them Rocky and Bullwinkle. Or um, <laughs> uh, or um, uh, Tim- Timon and Pumbaa. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Hagozi also got kind of shortlist. Pull a rabbit out of my hat. Yeah. Well, no, they did. No, but with with how powerful? I mean, any time that you're messing with, you're right, Glenn. It is a shortlist. But anytime you're messing with the action economy of a particular economy, round and being yeah. able to, to use an item as a bonus action is a huge shift in the action economy. Um, it really is. Like that's one of those things that like all of a sudden a crossbow can fire every round because they can reload as a bonus action, right? So sure, they're not taking other bonus actions, but you know, so what? Like that's you know, like that's if they're 120 feet away, they don't need to take additional bonus actions. You know, or like even like think about like the the you know, the Hodozi scampering up the tree 30 feet and then throwing a coconut as a bonus action. Like that's, you know, like that's, like that's like so much narrative fun, right? right? I think I'd go with a dagger, but, yeah. but I mean, now whatever. you're attacking. That's, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. A, a, a dagger, a, da- a dagger is a weapon, yeah. <laughs> well, if he's got that tavern brawler, then a coconut is a weapon. Let's move on here to the final two, or the fifth of the sixth here. Um, you know, honestly, so the the plasmoid. Uh, I had one note about the plasmoid. Gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> the uh, the the grossest part, in fact, was um, that they uh, consume food by osmosis, the way an amoeba does, and excrete waste through tiny pores. Yeah. Plasmoids are always pooping. Yeah. They're always pooping. And they don't actually have eyes, or yeah, you know, they just have different nerves gross. that let them do that stuff. And they speak by forcing air out of tubular cavities <laughs> that can script to produce sound. No. So gross. <laughs> Does that mean if you blow over the tubular cavity, it sounds like a recorder? Bro, it's perfect for start for uh, spell jammer though. This is Odo. Zamfir I mean, over. Oh, it's, it's Odo. It's, you're absolutely right. It's Odo. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, and I did. Uh, I did also think. Uh, you know, because. I'm a I'm a warped human being. I thought that you know, in some like far off spaceport, uh, like seedy scum of villainy, um, plasmoid prostitutes. I thought it would be very very valuable. Um, oh man, you know, like that's why well, you gotta like, go say, there. Because I'm not saying that these were good thoughts. I'm just saying that I had. Them, okay, okay. Like, right. This is not. Please, my God, let that be in the bloopers. Whatever, we can own it. We, we love him. Come on. Yeah. I, I, I so, say that in jest, mostly. Now, um, plasmoid <laughs> traits, some of them are pretty groovy, but my absolute favorite one, creature type, you are an ooze. An ooze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, again, I, I, think about, I think about the opportunities that the writers miss when they don't include. So like, that's why I love the gifts so much is because they, they worked in the joke, right? The fact that they gave him that the, that the creature type for the plasmoid is an ooze, and when they said that their speed, they said they have a walking speed. It's like no, they don't have a walking speed; they have an oozing speed. They do. <laughs> this is run, don't walk uh, from the block, shroom. man. Yeah, they, they have a slurping speed. Exactly. They're a very fast yeah. snail-like yeah. creature. Yeah. I do have to say, imagine there's a chaotic, evil plasmoid, and he's moving at you at thirty feet per round. That's frightening i'm i'm a frick out of there i'm not playing that game i want out all right so let me go ahead and put this another way remember from way back in the alanis days the um uh the the carnivorous snow right yes imagine the carnivorous snow just just being a tribe of plasmoid barbarians oh my god (laughs) right 
and how awful that would be. Benito's going to hear this, and he's going <laughs> to do an alarmist one shot with no purpose other than to come at us like with that. The, with, the, with the tribe of plasmoid barbarians, Benito, I want credit when you do that, <laughs> or they're or they're going to make their way to Spiro somehow. Like oh, we're yeah. not going anywhere where there's snow. I'm done. That, that sucks to be you, Frodo. It doesn't <laughs> like snow. I just. <laughs> I was going to say one of their other abilities. I'm interested to see if they get to keep when they hit full publication because the fairy didn't. Amorpheus says that they can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch wide, provided they're wearing and carrying nothing. Now, mind you, the fairy could do it with all their stuff. I think that that's kind of grossly neat. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you think of pouring yourself through, you know, like a small little square into a room? I imagine that's going to happen. But I'm wondering whether or not they'll keep it because they took it. They took it from the fairy. I'm not sure why. I think they took it from the fairy because they were redeciding the size of the fairy. Oh, that's true. They did take away tiny, didn't they? Yeah. And I think it really only fit the fairy if it was tiny. And I think the answer is they couldn't do, if you're tiny, you get this. If you're not tiny, you don't. So they just took it away. I considered it like a magical ability, you know, kind of like shifting to fairy dust as you move through the keyhole. Yeah. With this, I think it stays. Yep. I, I would like to see it stay because I think that it's kind of a unique ability for them, and uh, it totally it, it makes sense. So I don't know, we'll see. But and it's grosser, and even just the ability to be able to hold their breath for an hour like that's that's not nothing too. No, True. that's pretty cool. I like this a lot. I think it is what we need in Spelljammer to make it Spelljammer. I think it makes a lot of sense, but it is that lineage that I can guarantee you I would personally not ever play. Like I wouldn't play this. I would probably have them all over the worlds I create as a storyteller, but I wouldn't want to play this. one. So I guess my question to the community is if you, if you like, it, if you don't like it, clearly you wouldn't play it. But if you like what you see with this particular uh, lineage, is it one that you would see yourself playing? Cause they are two different questions, right? There are many things that I like and I say, Oh, that fits in the world. I would enjoy that or enjoy yeah. seeing that. I want that to be in the party next to me. Uh, which is very different from this is the one I want to play. We do that when we do our subclass breakdowns where we have that separated out for exactly that reason. So I guess my question is to the two of you and to the audience at large, uh, please comment down below. Let us know if you like this, what's the biggest reason? And then two, do you see yourself playing it at some point in the future? I think I see this one on the bubble, though. I think that if there is if there is a Spelljammer book and if these lineages are going to be in it, I think this might be the one that doesn't make it. I think you're okay. right, Luanika. I think it has I think it has some playability questions, right, about whether or not anybody would actually play it. But I'm going to challenge that concept now with why I would play it. Although, Please, yeah. first I want to say two things. Uh, one of them is going to play into it, though. I do not like shape self being uh, one of their ability their racial traits because it's basically saying that we're going to take part of what you get that's supposed to be cool and give you eh, the ability to basically function as a normal character like wear armor and use weapons yep yep i agree and i don't like that at all that should be a feat they should automatically have it and, and they do, but like they should get something else instead. That shouldn't count as one of their cool things. Because basically what they've got is Amorphous, which I think is kind of groovy, especially with the second part, which is advantage on all checks for grappling. And that's why I would play one. Why, you ask? 
because I'm I'm going to grapple some dude by just stepping stepping onto him. I'm going to envelop him, <laughs> and that's how I'm going to grapple people, bro. Um, I'm just going to like swallow them like an ooze would. I am hearing Trent Reznor in the back of my head, and I don't <sighs> like it. And that's why I would play one. Now. I would design a grappling fighter, and I would just straight up periodically pop out an arm to swing a sword. But I'd move as a blob a lot, you know, and just, just why are you just grappling? Because. because from the waist down, you're in a puddle of me. <laughs> I want to feel you from the inside. Awesome yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. No. But aside there, from that, a I mean, lot of gross get, with this, but we could be, it could be. They a can lot. hold their breath and they get dark vision. Everybody fuck freaking gets dark vision, so that's not. Everyone gets dark vision. Hold your whatever. breath for an yeah. hour. That's that's kind of groovy. And having resistance is. to acid and poison, okay. But aside from that, there are, the rest of their ability is taken up with just the. the the chance to wear that magical armor you just got by shaping yourself into a humanoid. Man, imagine plasmoid shaped armor. Like, what would pla- what would the plasmoid lineage even design armor to look like? They wouldn't, right? They would just shape into something that would fit the armor they see. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but no, I think I think they're super cool, and I could definitely have one pl- fun playing one. But it would specifically be in a spell jammer game. Uh, doing the space thing, he'd be kind of Odo-ish when he had to be a human, and then he'd be, you know, run, don't walk from the blob. And I think that could be a lot of fun. Last one in the UA here, and gentlemen, I am mad. I'm mad. I'm angry. I love the Thrykreen race from Dark Sun. I love it. We talked about this on our episode with Zugai, where we talked about how great the Thrykreen are. This is hot garbage. Hot, stinky, middle of the summer baby diaper garbage. Are you trying to say, this is crap? It's crap. Absolute crap. I'm interested in your conjecture. I I want to hear why. Yeah, let me go off here. You're clearly going first, Josh. Please expound. Yeah. Chameleon carapace, carapace, fine. That's really nice. I like that. Bonus action, though, instead of an action. That's what it should be. Agreed. The secondary arms are, again, one of those sounds cool but actually bad powers uh, because you can't you can't actually use them for anything. You can't hold a shield. You they're limited weapons. Why have them? Like they sound now. Really I'm a cool. ranger oh, got, with a got, shield, and I'm fighting with two weapons because I've got a light weapon in my in my stubby arm. It 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 provides alternate choice. Really, you can fire your bow with. Two arms, you can wield a sword with one arm and hold a shield. No, you, you can't. You, you can't hold a shield with your secondary arms. The only thing you can use your secondary arms for are weapons with the light property. You can hold the shield with your main arm. You can fire your bow with your other main arm and one of your little arms. And then you can hold a melee weapon with the, with the, other, me- with, with the other arm. Basically, uh... you're firing off the right side and you're in melee combat off the, off the left. Or vice Boy, versa. that's a that's a good question about whether or not you can, because it says specifically that your secondary arms that you can't wield a weapon unless it has the light property. I wonder if firing a bow would count. Yeah, I don't think it counts because because I'm thinking like like if the ar- if the you're secondary arms are smaller, right? Yeah, you so, are. But my like, what would you count as wielding? But you well, are. Yeah, it's a two-handed weapon. You'd either if I, it was one holding it out straight. You'd now have a shorter draw length. 
I mean, thinking about it in terms of an archer, and if it was the one you were drawing back with, you'd have less strength, and you wouldn't. We would again still have a shorter draw length. I don't think that that's viable. I don't oh, think okay. it's viable. So, so, yeah. so you don't have a bow; you have a crossbow. Very true, and you can, yeah. And then you have a hand crossbow in the lower ones, and and it can do item interaction, so it can load. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you can also again be reloading with it. So fine. I, so, I think it's I think it's functional. It does have some ability. It's not amazing. I think it's functional. I just don't think it's very good. Okay, so fine. Let me continue because it gets worse, right? Sleepless revitalization. You do not require sleep and can choose to remain conscious during a long rest, though you must still refrain from strenuous activity to gain the benefit of the rest. So what can I actually do on my rest if I still need to refrain from all activity? What can I do? I guess, and I guess we have the passive perception that like the, the autonome gets, right? Oh, no, no, no. I can see This things. guy could be looking around. He doesn't have to be sitting still. He can't do strenuous He's activity. He's actually got it he can't better work than out. But he could be cooking dinner. He could be reading a book. He could be tinkering. I mean, if you've ever seen me cook, tools. that's strenuous activity, but that's a separate issue. But if he doesn't need to sleep, why the hell does he need a full eight hours instead of all the other people who don't need to sleep? Exactly. Exactly. So you've got the astral elf that needs to meditate for four hours, and this guy actually needs to do nothing for eight hours. Versus the mechanical guy who does nothing for six hours. I think there are some logistical issues there. There are definitely some logistical issues there that I think are pretty minor that could be worked out. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's terrible or overpowered. Oh, I don't think it's overpowered. I just don't think it's good. It's inconsistent. And it speaks to the inconsistencies that we've been talking about in terms of let's yes. create a simpler system, but now let's complicate it the F up. Yep. Okay. I Instead of sticking with, like Josh said earlier, four, eight, do four, eight. Do four eight none. Yeah. But don't yeah. do four eight six. <laughs> right. 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 Or um, at least and, do four eight two. You know, Something. And, <laughs> if you're hacking it, that makes lastly, and, and I think the thing that made me more kind of like ticked off than anything else, Thrycreen are a large race. Period. They're not small. They're certainly not small. If you want to say that they could be large or medium, fine. Thrycreen are not small. They're just not. They never have been. They they shouldn't. They're not. They've been reimagined yeah. badly. I didn't catch the small because it never dawned on me that they would do that. That's weird to me. I was surprised they weren't large. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised they weren't large because they made a conscious decision with five E to never make player characters large. That's right. A, that enough. is a size category because spell abilities work off that. All types yeah, of things no, go off right. the rails. If Hasty player comment. characters are large, and it sucks because. The GIF, mm -hmm. the Loxodon, mm -hmm. the, the Goliath, mm -hmm. uh, the Knoll, Goliath, uh, <laughs> Orcs, uh, and, and, and I could go on and on and on. So many of them should, in fact, be large or have the ability to be large without taking. Uh, a specific subclass or a spell ability that lets them grow to that size category more. I don't know if maybe that's getting into maybe there needs to be lineage feats like they started to do at, at some point in the past, which they've clearly gotten away from, but they have not eliminated. I think that that's the answer. So you could play those things, and if you chose the feat, then you could be that next size category. I think that would be fair. I think that would be useful since none of them get it at first level. They'd all have to at least be fourth level 
or something like that. That that makes sense. I, I'm even totally cool with that. Like it has the Thrycreen gets bigger as he goes through levels. Like he's so he has to be medium at one through three, and when he gets level four or level whatever, then he gets he can go to large size. Totally cool with that. Now let's make him start as a tiny larva. I mean, any number of things, but anyway, I did not care for it. Well, what did you think of that telepathy? Uh, so again, I thought that I thought that telepathy in general is fine. Uh, it, the the power is you know 120 feet is a really long range for that, and that's fine for any number of willing creatures. It's a little overpowered. Yeah, which again I was also fine with because that's basically because they can't communicate otherwise, right? And so like that's no fine. Yeah, I, I have no problem talk. with that. That that is a, that's a major detriment, right? Is that they can't communicate otherwise. The thing that I didn't like about it was how it's written. The whole, your telepathic link to a creature is broken if you and the other creature move more than 120 feet apart, incapacitated, or either of you mentally breaks contact. Fine. But the problem is that like it, it disrupting and coming back requires zero action to do anything. Like you don't have to like, it's not like you have to even take a bonus action to re-engage it or anything like that. You're just like, oh, you're further, you're too far away. I can't talk to you now. Oh, you're back within. Now I can talk to you again. Like I just felt like, and how can they not, based on the way this is written, automatically detect any other creature with a th- with a sentient mind within 120 feet of them because of the way it's written? They're basically saying if you wander in and out, we automatically reconnect. The operative thing is they have to they have to have know. Have met and made the connection. Yes, I know. It's just I to me it it smacks is too much at 120 feet. Think about it in terms of I mean it'd be really cool to design either a player or a NPC who was running say. A battalion, maybe not quite a battalion at 120 feet to keep everybody within. Definitely run a platoon. Yeah, yeah, a platoon with full communication in terms of the leadership down. That that I think that it's a little bit much. I mean, you you could have what 100 people connected to you. Yeah, but but let's think about this. They're an insect race that travels by lore in large numbers together. That's why they have this ability written the way it oh, is. Yeah, it's like it's because like a break, exactly break off of the hive mind. You're not beating them because whoever's in charge can communicate with everybody. And everybody but can it communicate. It shouldn't with be them. that easy for them to link with every other species. I think they they wrote it too broad. I wasn't saying it well originally. Yeah, I get how Thrycrene as a group and as a ship or as a colony would communicate and function that way and how it would make them a better people. But meeting a plasmoid for the first time and being able to telepathically communicate with it with no effort whatsoever, I just think they wrote it too broad. I think it should be a little bit more limited than it is. I can see changes there would be useful. I did not think of it as poorly as you clearly did, Josh. And maybe, I will freely admit, maybe this is my clouded mind, loving the Thrycreen as much as I do. While I have challenges with some aspects, I didn't find the secondary arms as bad as you found. I didn't find um because did I want them to be more? Yes. Do I think there's ways to do that? Yes. I understand why they did what they did because they wanted to get away from the possibility of giving somebody a second set of attacks at first level uh, in the first year. And I kind of get that. I don't know how to word it well enough to make it so you could do that or do it as a second action or a second bonus action. Or I'm not really sure what you would have to do with that to make that work in my head the way I would envision it, other than give the Dagum race multi attack. Call it good. Just give them multi attack. If you wanted to cut this down, so like lose the sleepless revitalization, uh, revitalization, get get rid of the chameleon bit, 
and give them multi-attack. And then the rest of that makes sense. They have, they've got one very powerful. I actually like the chameleon bit most. I actually like that too, but I'm saying in the interest, if you give them a second attack in tier one, you better be taking away something big and they don't have anything else. that's really that big. Yeah, that's fair. Take away Dark Vision. The the way they wrote the secondary arms is good and functional. Just being able, just using lighter objects in it, it does work. Um, I get why you know you're, you're you're objecting, but in terms of making it a player character race, I think they wrote it pretty well. I'll admit it's my least favorite because I don't think Thrycreen make a great player character race because of the questions about how do you make a four armed insectoid that can you know do the things that they do. That was actually my big takeaway is they didn't get into any of the lore that they intend to put with this with this lineage. They did not get into the alien mindset which is something they did specifically do with the lizard, the lizard folk, as an example. They spoke. Yeah, this isn't a full description, though. It's still just the. Right. The, the so maybe they'll do that better. But I envision playing a lizard folk because uh, like there's one that I want to play for a couple of different reasons. Haven't found the right game yet. Uh, Thrycreen, it would have to be a very specific kind of game for me to play it in. I would play this long before I play the plasmoid. But this would probably be the lowest on the list that I would play even though I like it a lot. If I were ranking all these, which we didn't say we were going to do, its playability ranks a lot lower than than how much I like it. I, I put it at the bottom. Plasmoid, despite the fact that I would play it, is second to the bottom. Yeah, um, but I'm cool with both dude, of those. I, I, I could play a Jif, and I will name him Teal'c. He'll <laughs> be very proud. All right, let's try to put a cap on this here. So you want to rank them, like, real quick? Not... I don't know. I mean, okay. Uh, if we're going to rank them real quick, I've got the Astro Elf and I've got the Autonome at the top. I've got the Gif and the Hadazi in the middle, and I've got the Plasmoid and the, thri- and the Thrycreen at the bottom with the Plasmoid eking out the Thrycreen. It's, it's cool gross factor puts it above the poorly written Thrycreen. I mean, does anybody disagree with that ranking or does anyone take solid issue with that? It's pretty darn close, but actually Jif has moved up a lot for me just as we've been talking. Honestly, I have uh, Autonome first. I have Gif second. I have Astral Elf third. I have had a Z following that. I have uh, Green and then Plasma. Basically, you switched around some of my pairs, but yeah. Yeah. So originally, I would have put my my GIF as as third from the bottom, so fourth overall. Uh, but I think he's moved up to, to at least third, maybe second. But it'd yeah, be, I can see that. Yeah, it'd be between the GIF and the Autonome for me for first and second. Astral Elf would probably no. The Astral Elf is cool, but I the Hodozi, I just I don't know. It's got a lot of flavor. I would do a Hodozi. I think there's a lot of flavor, but Elf. it's light on the rules. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's try to put a cap on this here. So compared to other UAs that we have seen over the last couple of months here, how do we put this into comparison with like the the Strixhaven wizard classes and the Dragonborn races, the Gothic lineages that came out ahead of Ravenloft? Compared to like those and the Fae. And, and the Fae, that's right. Yep, and, and the, the races of, of the Fae. How do we kind of put this in, in scope with those? I, I think that this one... I like it. I like it. It's very good. And I think it's probably better than the Mages of Strixhaven. Yeah, that was... I mean, there were things about that that I liked. There were just a lot of problems with it. Yeah. I don't think it's better than the Dragon Races. I really liked the Dragon Races. Hmm. I like the Gothic Lineages, too. I like the Gothic Lineages, too. I have an interesting thought about 
the way you phrase that. And I can't compare them well. And okay. I, I'll say I'll say that this way. I can compare the Fae and the Gothic lineage as well. I can compare either of those to the Dragonborn, and I can compare this to the Dragonborn, but I can't compare this to either of the other two. And here's why. They're designed for different game worlds altogether. And I don't think that that matches well. These, you don't I don't think, think you can compare well apples and oranges. In, right. I don't think these play well in a Ravenloft setting. I think they're a little mm. too whimsical, a little too fun for that. And because of the duality of the realms of delight and the realms of dread, I think they are good foils, even though they're very different. So one does play very well in one and versus the other. But I don't think this is designed for that. And even comparing it to the Dragonborn, the Dragonborn races and all of that was to fix problems that existed. That was a yep. fix. That was yep. not brand new stuff. There are brand new things within it, but essentially that was designed to fix a problem with something that was good, but broken, in my opinion. Interesting. Because it successfully fixed that problem, that elevates the Dragonborn to this level that is beyond anything that this is going to be able to do. And I think its true value won't be able to be seen until you see the rest of the world that they build with it. So the NPCs, the stat block monsters, the ships that they operate in, the skills and challenges that Spelljammer uh, races are going to be dealing with, do these measure up to that? They are clearly a power level beyond anything that has come before. I think that's unquestionable. But that's not a bad thing if the game is a power level beyond. You know, maybe all the stuff for Spelljammer starts at, at Tier 2 and goes through Tier 3 and 4. And they just don't run tier one stuff for spelljammer. I mean, it does. Re spelljammer does require powerful wizards and uh, like powerful spellcasting classes because of the nature of how spelljammer works. So, yeah, I can certainly, I can certainly see that. Uh, here, here's kind of my take on it. I think that when this appears in a book, it is not going to be anywhere near what we see right here. I think that there are going to be a lot of changes to the way that these are portrayed. I just hope that when the surveys go out people are clear and overly pronounced on the things that they like and that the challenges are challenges that just need fixes, not toss the whole thing out. With Strixhaven, there's enough challenge to it that they toss the whole thing out. I hope that's not what they take from this because I think you're right. You mentioned things that were challenges that I hadn't seen or noticed, but I agreed on part or on whole with some of those things. We've talked a, lo a lot tonight about where we think, well, maybe that can be fixed here, maybe that can be fixed there. And I hope that when the feedback comes back, it comes back as, don't toss us out, make these adjustments. And if they do that, these are going to be great. Yeah. Again, with six lineages here, I would be willing to bet that we will, I think we'll definitely see at least three of them. I think we will probably see four of them, but we may not see five or six of them. I think that they'll probably cut a couple out. I think one is definitely going, and it's probably going to be the plasmoid. The, the plasmoid, yeah, because I, I think that I think that, or you know, what you might see is you might see plasmoids become like a more defined creature or something like that, like a like a, a NPC type stuff. Because I think that they they pose playability problems. So on that front, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, for pulling together so quickly to go ahead and address the latest uh, wizards uh, bomb here. So uh, appreciate seeing you guys. Appreciate you guys coming out here. Uh, glad to see you. It was a lot of fun. fun. So yeah. Oh, this is a blast. Excellent. As yeah. always.
I look forward to playing playing my GIF. <laughs> that, that's right, Jalen. You get to go ahead and play your GIF anytime now. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.